Hello, everyone, and welcome to Some Zero Headlines. This is Avery Pagan. On this podcast, we showcase active investors and their best ideas, plucked straight from the Some Zero community. This week, a new angle on litigation finance with the team at Statera Capital. Co-founders Andy Woltman and Chip Hodgkins join us to discuss how they found a niche within a niche, taking a private investment approach to commercial litigation finance, an industry which is deeply entrenched in Australia and parts of Europe, but just coming into its maturity in the US. In this conversation, we touch on the inefficiencies which have created a $10 billion market in litigation finance in the last five years, the benefits of targeting smaller cases and smaller investment sizes, and the access to justice for smaller litigants enabled by firms like Statera. Without further ado, please welcome Andy Woltman and Chip Hodgkins. Andy, Chip, it's great to have you guys on, on some zero to talk about litigation finance and what you guys do at Statera. So just first off, thanks, thanks for joining us. Um, I think this is a really interesting topic and one that we've actually previously discussed on some zero there's been pretty interesting research on some of the public names in the space you know but but of course you guys are taking the more private angle and 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 kind of on a side note i actually i don't know you guys probably don't know this but but i went to law school myself (laughs) at northwestern so i have at least a little bit of appreciation for um for how expensive uh legal fees can get and so (laughs) i remember thinking at the time when i was a student Gosh, if there's one takeaway here, it's 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 to somehow avoid litigation. But 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 you guys obviously offer a solution to that for for companies that do get involved in litigation. So, uh, you know, with that, um, would love to just hear a little bit more about your backgrounds. I know Andy, you have more of a a law background, but but would love to hear kind of just how you guys fell into this space, and and, and sort of how your careers drew you to litigation finance. Sure. So this is Chip Hodgkins. I'm the, the finance guy, as you mentioned. Andy and I are long friends. He from the law firm angle and me from a finance angle. So I was uh, prior to launching this two and a half years ago, was CFO at Interworkings, a, a public company in Chicago, business services firm, where I did uh, a ton of M&A. Um, I also earlier in my career was an investment banker and venture capital investor and private equity investor. So I have a, a broad transactional and principal investing experience. And Andy, um, from a seat as a litigator, started talking to me about this amazing phenomenon of litigation finance and what was going on in that space, getting my take as it from a CFO's perspective. And I became very interested and intrigued. You know, we saw with the public companies, like some of the ones you mentioned, the outsized returns that they were earning. And it was clear that there were inefficiencies in law that were permitting this. And so you know, we left our respective careers to, to form Statera two and a half years ago. Um, we subsequently have raised $80 million across a handful of different different funds, and we're investing in earnest. And, and uniquely, um, despite the growth and both in the supply of capital and the demand for litigation finance, there's a wide open segment within the middle market that we're really excited about. Not, not necessarily small cases, but smaller investment sizes that much of the the industry is ignoring and so are just really excited to be providing this solution in a underserved market um, with the opportunity for outsized returns that are uncorrelated with the, the broader market. Can you guys um, just frame, and I, I know people think of America as a very litigious country, but if you could, if you guys could just frame the size of the market, what is the TAM 
Like what, what, do, what do companies spend every year on litigation? Did you guys have a, a handle on that? Sure. Well, the, the legal industry is a $300 billion market within the U.S. Of course, not all of that's litigation, um, but there's 20 million civil cases filed a year. Um, so just within the legal market, it's a giant market. In terms of what if, what, what if that's actually addressable um, with litigation finance, you know, there's probably 50, 50 billion a year that's actually litigation of the types, you know, commercial litigation that is what we do. Um, what's probably appropriate for litigation finance is more like a billion and a half per year. Um, so there's, you know, or, is, that, sorry. is that billion and a half the value of total claims or is that, what's that figure mean? That, that's that's what's being funded today is kind of on the order of you know billions of dollars. It's it's you know at maturity and, and the U.S. market is much earlier on than say you know the U.K. or Australia where um, litigation commercial litigation finance has been entrenched for decades. But mm -hmm. um, you know it's probably you know 25 percent penetrated versus what it should be at maturity, and the vast majority of that is large investments as opposed to the middle market size investments that which we focus on. And, and can you speak to maybe some of the inefficiencies in in the industry that um, create the opportunity in the first place? Sure. So the the general concept, as you might appreciate with your law background, is large full service firms just don't have appetite or or interest in taking any matters on risk on on contingency very different from you know personal injury matters but in, in complex commercial disputes the types of firms that you'd want representing you whether you're a plaintiff or a defendant those those lawyers really need to get paid by the hour now if you're a corporation that's been harmed you you may be a smaller corporation that doesn't have the resources to pay the millions of dollars required to bring expensive litigation. You may have the resources and just would prefer not to spend those this year um, to not potentially recover, you know, for a couple more years and, and take a big PL hit now for you know something that that is uncertain. So whether you're smaller or large. Uh, as a corporation, you may prefer a contingency sort of structure, but that's really just not available to you from the counsel you need. And so we're, we're a solution for that. We can enable the lawyers to get the hourly rates that they need. We can enable clients to hire the lawyers they need in a way that, that they can bring litigation. So we're, And of course, we, we earn a, a return or, or some kind of portion of the outcome by settlement or otherwise, if and only if uh, all the parties recover. So walk us through um, an example. Um, you know, we'd love to hear kind of a little bit more about what, what is the typical case profile look like? Uh, what stage do you guys get involved? How do you source these, you know, these deals? If you can just kind of walk us through an example, I think that'd be very illustrative. Yeah, you know, the, the, the flexibility we have for investment size allows us to, to really just fit into a, a much wider spectrum of types of claims and, and stage where we get involved and, and just bespoke solutions that, that are needed. And so, you know, to Chip's point, while we we can do the larger investments that much of the market is focused on, you know, our flexibility and, and, and you know, our ability to go down into the hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment size um, is very unique. And so we can come in, you know, on a commercial claim, you know, at its inception, at its filing and 
and, and fund, you know, the majority of the fees and costs, you know, enabling a company that doesn't have the resources to pursue a, a meritorious claim, you know, to pick the right lawyers and, and go, you know, out and pursue the damages they're entitled to. Um, we can come in mid-stage and, and we often do and, and simply fund the cost component, you know, in big complex commercial cases, you know, the cost, you know, can range in the millions of dollars um, as you move through discovery and with expert witnesses and, and that's too much to bear for a lot of companies. So we can we can come in mid-stage and do that. We can come in and, and fund late-stage appeals um, or we can monetize a claim and, and provide effectively working capital to a company where they may have you know a claim with strong value but it's it's disrupted their business and it might take several years before uh, the claim makes its way through the courts and we can make an advance against the expected outcome value of that case um, to provide working capital for the company to to focus on its core business while the litigation plays out that's incredible so um, would would it would, would in that scenario the company um, have to give that money back that, that advance back if they ultimately lost a case that that you thought they were going to win or they thought they were ultimately going to win the, no the answer is no so the investments are most typically non-recourse meaning they're not loans um, they're investments in in the outcome of the litigation and so for the company for the client you know it's it's very much akin to a contingency fee arrangement with a lawyer which which many seek um, mm -hmm. But you know, to, to Chip's point earlier, most commercial firms in the U.S. aren't equipped to offer. And so, if the case is ultimately unsuccessful, uh, the claimant does not owe it back. Um, so we are bearing the risk, and, and obviously, our investment is priced for that risk. Yeah, we bear the risk of of a binary loss in that case. So the client is effectively able to pursue meritorious claims, but offload the risk and cost onto a third party. So interesting. How do you, uh, I guess, how do you juggle the little, you know, the smaller lawsuits with, with the bigger ones? I mean, I'm assuming you guys are, you know, somewhat capacity constrained with your time. Um, but when you talk about, uh, you know, evaluating, a, let's say, a half a million dollar potential outcome versus a $10 million potential outcome, um, you know, you're probably seeing a lot of smaller cases and but just how do you how do you how do you manage all of that with let, let's say the same level of, um, of of precision and diligence that you know given that you're 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 more likely more economically motivated to to uh, to analyze those those bigger those bigger case outcomes. Sure, good question. Well, the 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 reality is there are a lot of attractive you know I wouldn't call them small cases. Often they can be large cases, and we just might be a you know a a mid-size investment into that case, depending on how how we're coming in. Um, but the 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 short answer is there are are lots of general commercial cases out there that um, you know not IP cases, not you know complex investor state um, investor you know arbitrations that require a lot of specialized knowledge that our team of general commercial litigators can we can get our hands on pretty efficiently in-house. And so part of it is just focusing on those those cases that are a good fit with with what we can underwrite efficiently. Yeah, maybe the smaller cases just take less time to parse through. You know, I think I think, you know, the 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 factors we're examining on on any case are the same, no matter if it's large or small. But you know, I think, you know, to Chip's point, we're 
we're just more disciplined on on types of cases that that we're attracted to and and you know we're looking for cases that you know present to us with just greater predictability on on cost duration and outcome and so you know whether you know it's a case is worth 50 million dollars or five million dollars if it you know can present and, and and we can size up you know what the damages are and what the merit is and what the evidence is it's uh it's effectively the same exercise for each one so it's it's really being selective in mm-hmm. where we spend our time you know we're we're seeing you know 250 300 investment opportunities a year you know fewer than five percent pass through our initial screen and so we're just very selective about where we spend our time so would you um you know over the life of the fund expect to have to be sort of invested in a few dozen cases or what's sort of like the uh the portfolio concentration level no i mean with with 80 million of capital to put to work and some recycling i mean you know in cases that are probably averaging in the you know one and a half to two million i mean that's 40 50 cases got it got it very cool and then speaking to the pipeline I mean, you, you mentioned you, you're seeing a few hundred a year. Are, are these folks coming to you directly? I mean, like, how do they hear about you guys? Is it, uh, I mean, is it just kind of just kind of networking or, or is there uh, some other process by which you seek out uh, deal flow? Yeah, some, some of it is, is, is more passive. Like you say, they're, they're finding us because we're the most relevant solution in the market today for, for their investment size. Um, some of it is, is, you know, through a more proactive marketing strategy, you know, to create our own proprietary relationships, which, you know, we spend a lot of time on and, and, you know, have dedicated resources focused on. But, you know, the one thing that we benefit from is, is, you know, again, much of the market or most of the market is focused on these larger cases. And so we know, we know the industry well, we have great relationships with the other funds. And so, you know, when they see smaller investment opportunities, you know, that fall below their minimums, they know if they pass those on to us, you know, we'll be responsive, uh, we'll be professional and, and uh, you know, they're in, they're, their counterparties are in good hands, you know, by sending it on to us. So we see, we see a lot just by, by you know, having close relationships with others and, and being in an otherwise, you know, lessly populated area of the market. Um, but, uh, but a lot of it is, is, is based on actually going out in creating awareness as chip you know mentioned before i mean we're at a relatively low market penetration compared to you know the uk and australia where this has been around for a long time and so while this is is very much timely and topical there's a lot of the market that that we can educate yet so so what are the typical terms um and obviously that's i don't know if, if there is typical but if, if there's sort of a range uh, you know what does the relationship look like uh, between you know, Statera and, and the, the corporate entity that, that's relying on you guys to fund, you know, what could be years of litigation on a given case. Sure. Yeah. And, and we, we, in terms of returns, I mean, everything gets priced bespoke to the, the risk in the particular case at hand, but maybe it'd be helpful just to walk through sort of an example of what this, what a funding looks like in practice. So just for simplicity of analysis, assume that we we believe based on our underwriting that a case is likely to settle for $10 million. And that that's not what's being pled that the, the, the case may be, you know, the, the plaintiff may be suing for a much larger number. Um, but based on our assessment, we think the hard damages where the, this is actually going to end up is 10 million. 
and let's assume for a minute that the the budget to get to that settlement over a couple of years is going to be you know a million dollars in a, a deal like that we might structure it to be you know the greater of a multiple um you know two or three times that multiple might increase over time but let's say it's you know two and a half times or uh you know, or or twenty five percent of the whatever the recovery is, the greater of those numbers. So, mm-hmm. in that case, you know, two years from now when it settles for ten million dollars, we would get two and a half million dollars, and the other seven and a half, the um, the remainder goes to the the claimant. So we we're not in we don't control the litigation. We're really along for the ride. The the corporation makes all the decisions in the litigation about how to, to litigate and if and when to settle it for whatever they can negotiate. So that the fact that they have the majority, in fact, more than they, you, they would typically have if you just can compare that to a traditional understanding of a contingency, you know, 35, 40% um, for, the, for the attorney, um, you know, with just paying the funder 25%, it's actually cheaper, even though that, you know, from a multiple basis, that might seem like a high a higher return again because we're we're bearing the risk of of getting nothing at all now the, so so it's a good it's a good deal for the the claimant it, it, we also typically look for the law firm to have skin in the game and be aligned with us as well so they may be you know that million dollars may actually um, be a little less and may may assume some some investment quote unquote if you will right. from the law firm in terms of you know a, a healthy discount from there what they would otherwise discount just a good client but but something that that is a, a bit more aggressive and in return that they participate in that in that two and a half million on the back end which may enable them to get you know more than more than a hundred percent of their, their the the normal rate that they that they would otherwise get but again incentive alignment is key for us as well as that that healthy ratio of expected value to our investment size that enables everyone to be aligned if things work out, you know, as we as we underwrite and hope they will, or if things even go a little south, you know, in, in those scenarios, you would still expect that the plaintiff is getting the vast majority of the proceeds, and and we're not because we're not controlling it. We can rely on them being rational economic actors. That, you know, the decision they make is in our interest as well. Are, are you typically rep- you're typically representing the plaintiff? That's true. We can structure it. And have structured it in what you know deals with law firms directly, with plaintiffs, with you know, in portfolios. But for the most part, particularly in these in these relatively more modest investments, we, it, it's most typically an investment we're, we're contracting directly with the, the the corporation. And and what percent of the cases that you do fund do settle for some value? Uh, the vast majority. I mean, it's it's. Um, you know, in the U.S., you know, north of 90 percent of civil cases settle. I mean, some statistically, you know, or some say statistically it's it's 97 or 98 percent. So, you know, just across, you know, U.S. litigation, the vast majority of cases settle. But we are selecting four cases that, you know, have an indicia of, of you know, likely to settle. And so we're selecting away from cases that you know, look like they're going to some binary outcome at trial. And so, you know, yeah. we're sizing up, we're sizing up the merit of the case. We're sizing up, you know, the, the, the needs of the plaintiff, the litigation history, of the defendant. And so, you know, 
Um, we're looking for those cases that are going to settle. You know, when they settle uh, is a different question because you know all cases take their own their own life. But um, but far north than ninety percent of the cases we invest in, um, you know, have or will settle. And in terms of uh, the structure, do you guys typically take some kind of preferred structure where, like, you know, if for whatever reason it settles for less than the amount that you're funding, you get all of that money back, you know, the client is sort of uh, in more of an equity position. Yeah, that's generally true. The, this, the waterfall, if you will, tends to be, you know, a negotiated point. But mm -hmm. given that we've got 100% risk, we're, we're typically have a priority, you know, position. So, um, and, and the, the client typically would have more sort of equity upside, you know, if the thing has runaway potential that, you know, they get the vast majority of that potential. Um, we're more focused on getting yeah. sort of the expected return as opposed to, you know, getting a gigantic. Number. Right, 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 right. But, but, you know, even the expected return from what you're telling me, it's, you know, is that two to three X over a two to three year time horizon? Is that pretty typical? Cause that's a pretty incredible return <laughs> over that period. Yeah. I, th I think that's, that's consistent with, um, you know, how we often structure things and consistent with how the market often structures things. Uh, you know, obviously there's, in any case, there's a risk of loss. You know, it's not like buying real estate where if it doesn't perform as well, you still have the land. I mean, these things can have zero residual value. So when you factor in, um, you know, I, I think we underwrite things assuming we're gonna get, um, we're gonna be wrong one out of three times. I think our performance has been better than that. And much, much of the industry has performed better than that. Um, but you have to be, you have to be you know safe with our decision. So so the, the pricing is reflective of the fact that that we're going to be right some number of times. And and you know while on an individual case, assuming it it wins, we do great. There's you know going to be you know the the hundred percent loss in certain cases will drag down the overall expected return to um, you know still in our view still above market relative to other asset classes that over time should get competed out, but at least for the, the time being, the returns from the industry have been have been very healthy. What's the valuation framework for legal claims? I mean, I, I, it's going to vary claim by claim, but is there any sort of common denominator on, you know, how to value the, you know, the set, the sort of legal claims that you guys, you know, focus on the most? You know, I think as, as Chip mentioned before, it's it's you're valuing them for the settlement value, and you're you're valuing them against the actual hard damages that you know that are demonstrable in the case. And so, you know, when you think of a case that pleads for ten million dollars in in actual damages, but you know another twenty million dollars in punitives and and so on and so forth, you know, it's it's really only we discount it down to the hard actual damages. Um, because those typically inform the settlement value, you know, at any stage of the case. And so, you know, we start there and then, you know, we look at the risk of the case and, and, um, and, and really model for settlement value at different stages. So as, as commercial cases proceed through the life of litigation, um, value changes, right? So there are different procedural hurdles um, that as the claimant, as the plaintiff, as they surpass those, those different hurdles, you know, the value of the claim increases. And so, you know, I think we're very similar to the industry in that, you know, 
there's a, there's a human component to this and in, in our experience in our team we have four litigators and and chip with his financial background that that you know apply our experience and in our own you know sort of informed analysis but but you know there's also a tech component i mean there's there's data out there on on behavioral patterns of of defendants in litigation of plaintiffs in litigation duration to settlements you know depending on judge and and, and forum and so you know we're really modeling um to figure out what is that range of settlement value uh at the various stages of the case um, are, are most of the cases in federal court or are many of it in, in, in state courts or what's the typical jurisdiction for? It's, yeah, it's a, it's a 50, 50 mix. We're, we're, you know, just as often in federal court as we are in state courts around the country. We're in arbitrations. Yeah. And then on, on the law firm selection process, um, do you, do you guys, uh, you know, kind of have your favorites, um, that you kind of, rely on for the most for most of these or is, is that a pretty diversified mix as well yeah it's it's a it's a very diversified mix and and i mean certainly you know we know we know certain firms better than others but um um you know across the deals we've done and across the, the portfolio we expect to invest in you know we expect it to be you know diversified across a lot of firms and and again one benefit that we offer is that you know where much of the capital that's been raised and invested in this asset class today has been focused on these very large cases. You know, the majority of those sit in the largest firms out there only. So if you talk about the AMLA 100, you know, largest 100, you know, grossing law firms in the US, a lot of this market has been focused on a, a small subsection of that AMLA 100 that, that, you know, handles the majority of those very large claims. You know, our smaller bite size, you know, for investment makes this solution just more broadly applicable. And so there's fantastic lawyers, you know, that, that, you know, have spun out into boutiques that, that are in more regional markets that, you know, charge prices that are less than, than, you know, the New York or Chicago or LA firms. And mm -hmm. so we're diversified and, and we're excited by the fact that, you know, we just, we just are more broadly applicable to, you know, a, a lot of great lawyers out there. And is there any correlation between this, this business model and, and the broader equity markets or maybe not, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts on, on, on how this strategy is correlated or not correlated to, to the rest of the markets. Sure. Hotly debated topic. I mean, our general conclusion is not really, I mean, the, what certainly as you get into court, what a judge decides isn't going to depend on what the S and P closed on a given day. Um, of course, people's settlement postures and their need for capital are informed by the market. Litigation actually tends to increase overall in, in down economies. Um, you need, this, it, it's not really proven. You haven't really seen uh, uh, this across a market cycle yet, at least in the U.S. where it's, um, where it's you know, still not that, that old of an institutional phenomenon, litigation commercial litigation finance. But if anything, I think we would, we would suspect that it's reverse, you know, certainly not strongly correlated, but if anything, more likely to be reversely correlated, just that as in downtimes, litigation and the demand for litigation increases the lack of availability of capital, um, that's more pronounced. You know, that suggests if, you're, if you have capital and are investing in a recessionary climate that you ought to be doing pretty well in a, in a down economy.
But again, the, the returns have been pretty high in, in good economies too. So it's there's no knock on that either. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. Um, kind of heads you win, tails you don't lose, uh, or, or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. um, so so on the landscape itself, um, why is it that there aren't more firms that do this? Like, is it just un, not well understood, or you know, it sounds like you guys are in a somewhat niche uh, environment, but but why do you think that is? Sure, it it is sort of a, a niche asset class. I mean, ten bill, reportedly ten billion or so has been raised in this market, investing in this market. You know, six seven years ago that was zero or or not not all that much. So it's grown a lot. Um, you've got kind of a phenomenon where the firms that entered the market, whether they were upstarts or entrants from the UK and the Australia, coming over to a less competitive market, larger market, the US, for whatever reason. Um, new new entrants to this market grew really quickly. So because there was no competition and they were pioneers, you know, they, they had to educate the market a lot and we benefit from that. But, you know, those those early entrants to the market um, did very well early, raised a lot more capital. And we're talking several examples of $50 million fund ones that became $500 million fund twos and just grew really quickly. And um, it's hard to scale a team and a fund structure when you're really just growing every two or three years. And so without it, with it not being easy to hire teams to, to do that, those, all those firms with all that larger AUM naturally had to shift their focus to much larger claims. And really today that of the 10 billion, the, the vast majority of that is concentrated in a dozen or so funds that don't have that many people and they're just, you know, They've done, it's worked for them. They've had above market returns and their LPs are happy and, and it's working. So there's no knock on that, on that approach, but it's really left open this, this gap in the smaller cases, particularly today as more and more attorneys are reading about litigation finance. And, and our, our belief is that the, this conservative industry is still in the early inning, second or third inning of adoption, but there's a lot more awareness and support from judicial decisions and legislative um, laws and state by state, all, all of this thing is benefiting litigation finance and just the where asset managers are today, they just can't be focused on these smaller cases given the, the capital they have to deploy. Got it. And, and tell us about your team. What, what's the uh, Statera team makeup? Is, is it mostly attorneys? Sure. Yeah, there's 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 five of us today. Chip gave you his background. You know, he was the CFO of a public company here in Chicago, Inner Workings, and is an investment banker by background. Uh, I was a partner with McGuire Woods, which is um, you know a large Amlaw fifty thousand lawyer civil law firm. You know, where I practice as a general litigator and, and watch the development of, of litigation finance. Um, we have my former partner from McGuire Woods. Um, who was our managing partner in Chicago uh, for many years before he retired and joined us. And then we have two other lawyers on the team, both of whom came out of Williams and Connolly in DC, which is uh, you know, probably the, the premier litigation firm in the United States. And so, um, you know, one skilled finance professional and, and four lawyers with um, just really deep and diverse uh, general commercial litigation backgrounds. That's awesome. Um, well, listen, guys, this was really great. I, I, I guess I wanted to end just uh, with 
you know, kind of a little bit of, of the social justice aspect of the business in terms of providing funding to, you know, some of the smaller cases and, and some smaller litigants. Do you, do you find that you get interest from, from even like startups that get involved in, in these kind of situations for the first time? They, they don't know how to, you know, you know how, how to handle litigation or, or, or other kind of situations that maybe almost have like a, a pro bono bent to it? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and there's no doubt that commercial litigation finance is, is an access to justice solution. You know, it's, it's we are solving for probably the most significant inefficiency or, or barrier to, you know, companies pursuing meritorious claims, which is, you know, it's just litigation is very expensive. And so you're exactly right. So for smaller companies, you know, litigation is oftentimes existential um, or, you know, if they've incurred substantial damages, it's simply not an option because in the commercial market, there's just, there's, there's very little opportunity to find a firm on a contingency um, and the cost of litigation is, is just too expensive. So for, for those David Goliath type cases, you know, it's us or it's no one. And that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of, you know, a lot of what we see. Um, but even with the large companies, you know, companies are not quick to spend, you know, their budgets on affirmative litigation, you know, even for, you know, very strong claims with real damages where they've clearly been harmed, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to convince a GC or a CFO to spend millions of dollars over multiple fiscal years on something that, that, you know, is in the company's interest and, and you know, is likely to return, um, but has some chance of a binary loss. And so, so we are, you know, we are not stirring up frivolous litigation or anything of that sort, but, but quite the contrary. I mean, the, the cases we see and the ones we're attracted to really are simply enabling more companies to go out and assert their rights and, and recover damages where they've been harmed. That's awesome. Well, well thanks uh, for all of the insights and, and the overview. Uh, you, you know, I think, I think there's a lot to unpack here. And I think what you guys are doing is, um, you know, almost like opening up, uh, as you said, like just access to justice, which, um, you know, I think certainly appeals to a, a lot of founders and a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, may find themselves in, in situations that they didn't expect. So, um, you know, it's kind of exciting as an entrepreneur myself to, to know that, that, you know, there, there are firms like, like you guys out there. So thanks again for, for coming and chatting with us. And um, hopefully we can follow up at some point in the future. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Davia. Really great to chat with you. Appreciate it. That is all we have for you today. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something. If you are a member of SumZero's Capintro program, you can learn more about Statera Capital on the Capintro platform and read through some of their case studies. If you are a member of SumZero's research community, there are plenty of pieces written up on some of the public names in litigation finance we touched on. And lastly, if you are an individual investor interested in joining SumZero, please reach out to access at sumzero.com to learn more about our options for you. Thanks again for joining us. Hope you have a great rest of your day.